Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And today, uh, as promised, I wanted to start talking uh, a little bit about really all of the parts that bring together strength and health. And I, I keep emphasizing the and because I'm really becoming more and more passionate about, I, I, I love being strong. It still is just one of those things like, it's just fun for me. Uh, I'm sure part of it is a protective mechanism uh, and you can look into the psychology of it and all, but it's one of those things like I, I really, I don't care. I just enjoy it. I enjoy lifting. I enjoy working out, uh, whether it be in the gym, whether it be uh, going out and picking up rocks and doing all that, whether it be carrying wood around. I mean, just physical labor uh, is really just fun for me. Uh, so I want to combine that. But uh, as I said, like this is going to be at least a four-part series. I might break it down a little bit more. Um, but the first part I'm going to touch on is nutrition. Like I said, I want to go into nutrition for everybody. I want to go into movement, recovery, and then mental and emotional health uh, for strength and health. Because all of those components really come into play uh, when discussing both strength and health, like not one is necessarily more or less important than another. So all really need to be addressed. Uh, and I'm going to just give uh, almost, if you will, maybe some highlights of my book that's going to be uh, releasing soon, really just working on some of the final edits, some of the final format, formatting uh, things for it. Uh, definitely going to start off, uh, release it as an ebook. Uh, I might, and especially, I don't know yet if we're going to go with a physical book. Uh, and I also want to record an audio version of it because I love listening to audio audiobooks like Audible, everything like that. I love listening to podcasts. Part of the reason uh, you're listening to me on a podcast right now, I think it's a great way to get information out there. Uh, but the reason I almost want to do it myself, and I'm going to try it and see um, really what comes of it because I don't know. I've I've been told that it's very difficult actually to record a book like this. I'm just talking. I'm not. I'm looking at some notes maybe, but I'm just kind of going off the cuff. Uh, and it's more of my natural speaking style versus I hope that when I write, um, it, it comes out to be the same thing. I'm really, I'm biased on that because I'm reading my own writing. Uh, but I, I, I want to see how that works out. And if it works out well, yeah, I, I always enjoy listening to audiobooks where the authors themselves 
uh, write the books. And in there, what I'm going to do is the audiobook version is probably going to be pretty special. Uh, you'll definitely can get both, but I think with the audio version is what I'm going to do is add those little side notes in there where, uh, like I'm about to start talking to you guys about water. Well, there might be other things about water that I just go into that I didn't even think about writing about at the time, but I want to put in. So you're going to get a lot of author's notes with that. Now, let's dive right into water. Uh, and I say this all the time, like there's nothing sweet and sexy about water, but it gets the job done. Like it does, it, it does the trick. Uh, you have to get half your body weight in ounces. Uh, again, I'm pushing right now. Like I'm working on getting up so they compete, can compete in the 220 class. Uh, and think about a hundred kilos. Um, so Hey, where am I at right now? I'm like 106, 108. Uh, yeah. 106, 206, 208. Uh, and so I'm getting hundred plus ounces of water a day. Math is pretty simple. Just divide it by two and there you have it. But problem is people still struggle with that. Uh, tips I always, always try and give because you have 600, what is it? 6 billion cellular processes that occur every second in the body that are water dependent. So if you're dehydrated, like it's not going to, you're not going to function properly. You're going to be leaving strength gains on the table left and right. You're going to be leaving your recovery like on the table. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to be where you want to be, uh, in the short term or the long term. Um, certainly not for health by any means. And strength is not going to be there either. Um, People still struggle with this, I know. So I always give my, my biggest tips on this, start the day with a quart, 32 ounces, bare minimum. You just, you have to do it. Excuse me, a uh, little sneeze there. Um, but 32 ounces is just where you have to be. Don't think about doing anything less like, oh, I'm gonna only start off with a glass or two. It's like, no, you, you gotta suck it up. Um, oh, well, no, I should say this. Like, you don't have to start your day with that, but you have to start that as a bare minimum of how much you're drinking. Uh, I recommend at least two glasses to start the day though. Uh, but building up, I tell people the four by four program, add four ounces of water every four days till you're where you need to be. Uh, and that's what you just have to do to get there. But I say this again, time and again, only plain water uh, with some caveats. Uh, you can add a little bit of uh, Celtic sea salt, uh, a little bit of Himalayan salt. And I do this, it's funny, like I'll do this in the morning. I'll add some salt to just start downing some water. And I had a ton of salt, ton of salt, ton of salt. I'll put some in my mouth. I barely taste it. Now I can come back to that water. Like I'll drink that water uh, early in the day and I'll take my water to work with me, do that and this and that. And I'll come back and I'll have a sip of that same water. And it tastes like I'm drinking straight out of the ocean. Uh, so this is something that I think is very important to understand is like your body craves things at certain times of the day. And I think part of this is going to be uh, some of the cortisol response. Like you need to just get your body jacked up first thing. Uh, and that's why it's so important. Like other things to get outside, get outdoors first thing, get, get that sunlight, like get your body letting it know that, all right, it's time to rock and roll. Like you got to go here. Uh, but also just makes it a lot easier to drink the water is just adding that little bit of salt and or uh, you can use a little bit of citrus. That would be the only other thing that you could put in there. Uh, just some fresh fresh citrus uh, to make sure that you have uh, enough minerals in there. And this is just absolutely critical. Like you can't go without it. Uh, but other liquids, I mean, this doesn't mean that you can only drink 
water, water, water. Uh, water, while being absolutely critical and very important, um, you can you can drink other things. Um, coffee and tea would be two of my favorites. Uh, always put fat in my coffee. A uh, couple reasons. I mean, <clears throat> really, the biggest thing is the balancing effect that it has on the caffeine uh, into the body. Less likely to just go whoosh, like skyrocket and then just crash from it. Uh, but personally, I just love the way it tastes. Uh, and I think that blood sugar control, like making sure that you're staying at a stable blood sugar is going to be absolutely critical for strength gains because your body has to be in a state of relative homeostasis where you don't want it to be on a roller coaster of blood sugar, at least, uh, in order to be able to recover. Now, tea, again, tea is pretty good because there's very minimal caffeine in comparison. Uh, but these are ones that I think are still very beneficial to use. I mean, there's tons of antioxidants, polyphenols. I mean, the flavonoids, uh, the, the list goes on and on. All the little micronutrients that are in them uh, that really just give you a whole ton of benefit. Uh, another thing that always comes up is milk. Uh, I tell people, like, if you're going to drink milk, go for the raw stuff at least. Get get your raw milk. You're going to be so much better off because with this uh, just because it's raw. The, everything still is intact. Uh, I've, I've gone back and forth on this with my, for myself. Like sometimes I'll do dairy. Sometimes I won't. Uh, I'm even checking into really, I, I know how I feel with some dairy and it's a mixed bag for me. Uh, so I, I still am very careful with, uh, raw milk in general, but I think there are people out there and especially depending if you're getting like goat dairy, something like that, that's much more easily tolerated. I think this can be awesome because there are tons of uh nutrients in milk as well as hey it's just good quality balanced food like you have your fat you have your protein you have your carbs in a pretty nice ratio there uh that this will definitely work well for you but again milk is not for everybody uh if you can't tolerate milk don't don't drink it it's pretty much that simple but can be awesome for uh, helping you bump up a weight class and add some pounds uh onto the deadlift as well (laughs) now Soda. I'm intentionally pausing there, like awkwardly, to just leave it. Like, if I have to go over this, uh, and you're still thinking you're going to be getting super strong drinking your soda, this and that, uh, either you're an absolute freak, uh, or you're just lying to yourself. Uh, Most people are not going to benefit from soda. I I still hear like the whole. I I remember Charles Poliquin talking about uh when he went out with like dimitri koklov uh klokov excuse me and he would just say like he would just go to the restaurants and order a cock like he just wanted a coke uh but that's neither here nor there like if you are dimitri klokov you can do this uh you can maybe drink some soda get by with it if you're just about anybody else stop stop kidding yourself like it's not going to lead you to be optimally healthy and or get strong like it's just going to be a waste of your time now alcohol alcohol is an interesting one uh and i I don't think we really dove into it but when i had on uh chris duffin uh, a few weeks maybe a few months ago now uh i know he's done like the the whiskey and deadlifts thing and i really looked into this and it's something that i find intriguing and i might do um in some of my upcoming workouts to just to try it. Uh, I would do it with vodka personally. Uh, and that's, I know how the Russians used to do it. Uh, but having uh, a shot or two of, um, 
some type of liquor really before a heavy deadlift. Uh, it's I'd have to restudy all the mechanisms behind it, but that that I don't think I, I think it's an interesting thought. But in general, alcohol and like as far as a liquid goes, yeah, I, I don't see a problem having like a drink or two uh, here and there, but it's not really going to help you be optimally strong, especially because of the blood sugar roller coaster that you're going to be on with it. Uh, it's not going to help with strength or health, uh, but really testosterone can certainly be diminished with it. So you honestly don't want to tank your hormones uh, as you're trying to get stronger. Juice, juice is pretty much a no-go. Uh, very few people actually make their own juice. If you are, yeah, you can definitely do this. Like I have a really great juicer at home. Uh, I don't make a lot of juice anymore. It's one of those, now that I'm thinking about it, I might do it again just because I want to try some juice, but I would have it at a time when I know I can tolerate my carbohydrates better, uh, probably around a workout. But if you're not juicing fresh juice for yourself, it's pretty much just sugar water with a lot of minerals that have since oxidized and you're not going to get much out of. Now, in the strength game, energy drinks are, I don't know if I would say running rampant, but a lot of people like to think that energy drinks are really giving them a big boost. Uh, really, there's a lot of just synthetic garbage in there, first of all. Uh, and then there's just so much to be said about it. Like there's the, all the high fructose corn syrup. There's a lot of times just a lot of more garbage sugar in here that you don't need. Uh, if you want some caffeine, if you want that boost, like just go ahead and have some of the coffee, have some tea. But other than that, like if you're in that much of a need of a pick me up and an energy drink at all times, like this, yeah, crazy workout booster. Well, you're really overlooking a lot of other parts of your life and you're probably not as healthy as you need to be or should be. Again, unless you're an absolute positively the highest level of the sport, I still don't see the need to always be using this. You should be able to uh, bring your own energy to the table, if you will. Like, you still got to get that sleep. You still got to make sure you're recovering uh, in between workouts. So, again, to always be having something here is not really going to be ideal. And then to round out, like, the liquid section, uh, flavor enhancers, uh, like all these artificial things that you drop in, spray in, like they make it look like the color that it's supposed to taste like, again, more just chemicals, just get out of the way of it. Uh, really, please don't waste your time. Uh, next, I want to jump into uh, the macronutrients. So I think people know for the most part what proteins, what fats, what carbohydrates are, uh, at least as a whole. Uh, but I don't think people are very, as a whole, people struggle to recognize how to balance this. And this is why there are one million and one diets out there. And I'm sure there's probably a lot more than that. Even by the time I'm done recording this, there will probably be new uh, diets that come out. And you know the beauty of all of these diets? They really do all work. I, I, I mean that like in the most sincere way. Every diet works for somebody. But not every diet works for everybody or nor nor does every diet work forever because we are all changing we're constantly evolving and this is why i like to harp on this that no one 
diet will ever fit. Like you, you hear like, oh, this is perfect for this. And oh no, I lost all this weight on this. And I got super strong on this. And this is the world's healthiest diet. And it's like, no, there are too many damn factors involved for there to ever be one diet. Because I'm different than you. You are different than somebody else. And they're different than the next person. Like we are all different. You are truly an individual. And sometimes that gets like to be corny to say, but no, you are different. And that will affect what you are eating for strength and health. Now I say strength and health again, because you might eat a little bit different for optimal strength versus optimal health. Sometimes again, and it comes down to, I bring up like the muscle meat and like getting enough protein, but it's not always about that. Somebody still might be better off getting a little more fat or a little bit more carbohydrates to actually help them get truly strong. Uh, and into the book, in the book, I go into this uh, a little bit more in depth, but basically it comes down to finding out the right ratio for you. What ratio of fats, carbohydrates, and proteins works best? And really the only way you're going to know is try. Like you might've been eating a certain way for the last 30 years and you're still doing pretty darn well, right? But you might tweak something a little bit and doors might open, lifts might just go through the roof. I mean, you just might, hey, be starting to add muscle more easily. Like you might be getting stronger, might be sleeping better, all of these things. And it was just from maybe adding a few more sweet potatoes in during the week. You never even considered it. Again, there there's so many ways to do this. Whatever, we still simply recommend Go high fat for three days, go high carb for three days, go high protein for three days. Out of those three days of each, maybe four days, five days, whatever you want to do, see which group of days you feel the best on and now take that and start refining it. Maybe 40% protein, 40% carbs, 20% fat or whatever it might be, but start tweaking it, start playing with it and you'll find once you start refining that more and more, you'll get that strength gain that you really are looking for. Uh, and this will change through training blocks as well. Like depending on if you're in a higher volume, higher intensity, like these are all going to be variables. Uh, also, Hey, seasons come into play. Like if there's more light outside, less light outside where you live, who your ancestors are. So like I said, there are too many variables to say like one way or another, but once you start tweaking it, you'll, you'll be on the right path. Um, now I want to go into each of the macronutrients a little bit. And the reason I want to do this is because I think muscle meats are overrated. Uh, I think we entirely too many muscle meats. Uh, that being said, I think they're awesome and beneficial, but organ meats, bone broths, uh, are just way underrated, way underutilized. And I think will actually go a long way, not only for the health, because I think they are some of the healthiest foods on earth, but they will actually have a profound impact on strength more because of there's a ton of protein in them. There can be a lot of fat depending on what type you're eating, but the amount of micronutrients in here, like this is one of the most overrated, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, underrated things when it comes to strength because it's, it's looked at in health circles, but the micronutrients, so all the different vitamins, minerals, just all these other non-measurable things like that we don't even know about yet that are in there. Like the amount of CoQ10 in eating heart. Well, I mean, I think eating a lot of heart can probably be 
pretty darn beneficial for your heart. The amount of vitamin A in, in liver is just astronomical. Like my personal favorite, like, well, I, I'm a huge kidney fan. Uh, I'm a huge bone marrow fan. Like these are things, the fats in the bone marrow, like all the vitamins in that is just absolutely incredible. Uh, not to mention liverwurst. I could eat liverwurst and my son Cooper and I could probably just sit down and eat liverwurst for every single meal, every single day for the rest of our lives and be happy as a clam. Uh, but moving on again, there's two thirds of an animal is made up of non muscle meats. So all the organs, all the bones. So just, this is also a plug for a strong planet too. Um, we got to take care. We got to eat a little bit of everything. Uh, Going down the aisle uh, still here on protein, uh, dairy, eggs. Uh, I said before, like with the milk, still got to be careful. But a lot of times when you get um, good raw cheeses, uh, they can be pretty well tolerated as well as pack a good amount of uh, vitamins, minerals, uh, and just calories in general, a lot of good stuff in there. Um, And eggs as well. Like the amount of awesome sauce basically in eggs is I don't think can be overstated especially for the cholesterol that's part of the reason I like eggs is because of cholesterol uh some people will say they want to avoid them because of that for me especially if you want to keep maintain like your testosterone production your sex hormone production like that's going to be pretty darn critical uh so do not overlook this when trying to get strong and I would argue when trying to stay healthy because Cholesterol really can act as an antioxidant and really protect you from a lot of things. And that's why your body produces it when you don't eat it. So your body is pretty much at a set point, I think, of around three to four grams a day. So if you're not getting in that much, it's making that much. Uh, If you're, say, eating two grams, it's making two grams. Or these are approximate numbers. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure on that. But think about how important that is. Like your body's going to make it no matter what, whatever you give it. If you don't give it any, it's going to make more of it. Uh, and one thing that I like to harp on with eggs, uh, sure, it can be hard to find like optimal choices, but one that I really like to steer people clear of is vegetarian fed eggs. Uh, this is now a big thing right now, right? Yeah. What do what do we uh, what do chickens eat? Um, yeah, they're I believe omnivores. They might I don't think they're carnivores. I uh, carnivores. I believe they're omnivores. Yes, yes, they're omnivores. So what does that mean? Well, they're eating meat. Like they're just like us. Like they're meant to eat some meat. This doesn't mean like that's all they're meant to eat. They're not, no, they're not a carnivore. So that's not all they're going to eat, but they need to have a healthy blend of these foods in order for them to be healthy, in order for their eggs to be healthy. So remember you are what you eat, ate. If that animal, if that plant is eating garbage food, well, you're going to be taking that garbage in too. Uh, now we have soy. Uh, I'm not going to go into soy a lot. I think that any strength athlete nowadays hopefully has gotten the message that you got to steer clear of the stuff. Like it's just not going to, it's not going to behoove you uh, in in your strength gains. I would argue, unless it's really like a raw. No, I'm sorry, not a raw, a fermented form of soy. There's really no reason to be consuming it for health either. I think that the estrogenic effects of it are really going to be uh, pretty negative. And especially there's not a lot of minerals, not a lot of stuff that you can get out of it. So I really think it's can be detrimental to the health uh, to, to leave it at that. Uh, as well as like any of the other side effects. Like if you're 
if you're getting too much of the goitrogens, if you're getting too much of all of the uh, anti-nutrients really that are in soy, I mean, you could look at, again, gynomastia, the breast enlargement, decreased hair growth, mood swings, erectile dysfunction, decreased libido, lowered sperm count. Like for the guys, like I think I just caught your attention with that. So again, I'm not saying to never have soy. Make sure you're looking at how it's prepared, how it's uh, making sure you're getting some fermented stuff and using it very sparingly as a little bit, uh, add a little bit of flavor because it can taste good, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be the best for you either for strength or for health. Now, I list here, or I'm going to go over uh, like nuts, seeds, legumes. Um, they're always kind of under the protein category. I don't think they're really that high in protein because a lot of times they'll have like two to three amount of carbohydrates. That being said, there can be uh, some protein in there uh, and also quite a bit of fat. And I think it's they can still just be healthy things to eat. Uh, so don't, don't fear them. Uh, but carbohydrates are up next. Uh, and under carbohydrates, there's always the slow versus fat, like all, uh, yeah, slow versus fat. How about slow versus fast burning? Um, really all that means is what type of molecules it is. So is it a sugar, uh, whether it's a monosaccharide, a disaccharide, like just the length of the chain that it's built up of, uh, and sugars, I don't think are bad things. I think there can be very good sugars, um, raw honey and maple syrup being my favorites, uh, but again, they can still be good as long as they're not like overly refined and as long as you're not just guzzling sugar. Like sugar is not a bad thing, um, but that depends on the person. Like some people, if you can't tolerate carbohydrates, don't be having a ton of sugar. Don't be having a ton of carbs. Just avoid that. Uh, other things like oligosaccharides, polysaccharides, like, excuse me, the oligosaccharides I think are pretty cool um, because they can oftentimes be like be the prebiotics for the gut and can really help you produce a lot more vitamins, minerals. Um, especially I think it's like the K vitamins and stuff that really can go a long way with maintaining healthy bone structure. Uh, but then again, you have the longer chains of, uh, the carbohydrates, which oftentimes are your root vegetables, your squash, uh, grains. Although again, I'm not a huge fan of grains. Uh, I think they can be done okay, especially if they're properly prepared, but it's just not going to be the most ideal uh, food source. Uh, that being said, again, you can certainly do it, but just like dairy, a lot of times not the best, uh, not tolerated as well um, by the gut and really just not going to lead to optimal health or strength. Now, fiber is something that's interesting and the blood sugar response and well, fiber in general, hey, eat your veggies, get your fiber. Um, but the blood sugar response, I think this is one of the, if not the most important factor for both health and strength, because your body needs to react normally uh, to foods that it is taking in uh, and or it should have a very beneficial effect. So if you're having things that throw off your blood sugar uh, and send it on this roller coaster. I'm not saying you don't want to have a little bit of an elevated blood sugar uh, during uh, a workout and or like immediately after like to help get that into the muscles, but it's just not going to be a good thing to always have this elevated blood sugar and or just this roller coaster of a blood sugar response. So recognizing 
what things really work best for you. Uh, are you best with root vegetables? Are you best with like lettuces and greens? Are you better with fruits? Are you better with whatever it is? Um, but finding kind of what works for you and also then making sure to have it in that right ratio with the fats, with the proteins. And that's going to be one of your, one of your biggest things, but take note that there are so many different things that can affect your ability to handle, um, carbohydrates and the blood sugar response. Like the amount of movement that you're doing is going to be part of this. Uh, the amount of sleep you're getting will be part of this. Your overall stress, like if you're crazy stressed out where you live, like, uh, how much body fat you were already carrying, like all of this will come into play. Now, speaking of body fat, uh, the, the, the final of the macronutrients, uh, the, the big three, uh, is fat and probably my favorite. Like I just love eating fat. Uh, plus it really can go a long way to help giving you, um, especially saturated fat, I should say, uh, really keeping your sex hormones up. Uh, so your testosterone, your growth hormone, uh, and keeping these in the, in the normal range and really helping with those strength gains that we're, we're harping on here. Uh, but don't believe what Ansel Keys in the seven country study as now that we've kind of come to know he, he left out, uh, <laughs> a few of the countries in the study and really, really screwed up a whole lot of people, I think in, uh, in the mint, in the meantime, uh, but there's saturated fat. Again, all that means is all of the fatty acids have single bonds versus the unsaturated mono meaning one or poly meaning many, uh, would have not that they wouldn't have the double bonds in all the areas. Uh, now I'm sorry, it would have double bonds, like either one or many double bonds. Now, unsaturated fat is broken down into like the monounsaturated, which is either omega-7 or omega-9. And I think these are just overlooked fats, but really go a long way, uh, especially like things like heart health, uh, maintaining stable blood sugar. Uh, but there can some like the omega-9 is considered non-essential. I'm not going to go into that too much here, but suffice it to say like getting the monounsaturated fats like uh, from your olive oils, from your avocados, uh, I think macadamia nut oil is as well. Like those are some of the biggies can be very beneficial. Uh, the polyunsaturated fats, I think this is, the, this one's a very double-edged sword. Uh, and the omega-3 is the, the biggie there. And the omega-6 is the one that often becomes vilified, but both are necessary. Both are very important. So don't completely throw the baby out with the bath water here. Um, but polyunsaturated fats, you have to be careful with because they are very delicate. They can be damaged very easily. So making sure you're not overheating any things like uh, grass-fed meat, you're going to have it there. You can cook it there, your wild-caught fish, your egg yolks. Um, but again, that's why you don't want to just cook things at such high heat that you're going to really damage these. So cooking them at some of the lower heats will reduce... Uh, any of the oxidation associated with them. Uh, and then there's the omega-6, uh, which kind of get vilified as, oh, yeah, they're terrible for inflammation. Well, you know what? They also initiate inflammation, which is important for lifting. When you're trying to recover, you need inflammation. Otherwise, you're never going to get the cell processes to repair this. Uh, so it goes on and on. But no matter what, you still need your omega-6s. So if you go out of your way to a Avoid just any of it, you're going to be in trouble. Because uh, you still want, like, 
about a two to one ratio of omega six to omega threes. So you still want more omega sixes than omega threes, but we're getting upwards of that 16 to 30 to one ratio, depending on the study that you're looking at. Uh, so we're eating a shitload of omega sixes. Uh, so not going to be, <laughs> not going to be the best for you because that will cause now that excess inflammation. And I also want to state here that you're not going to just get stronger by adding in more omega threes. Sometimes it is important to just cut out some of those omega sixes. Uh, now all these macronutrients come down to the calorie, right? So a calorie is a calorie unless it's a calorie. And yeah, there's all this back and forth on, oh, well, if it fits your macros and this and that, you know what? All things equal, I'm still going to take the calories that have the most micronutrients and have the most bang for the buck. Like, give me the fiber in there. Give me the saturated fat. Like, give me all this. Don't give me it with colorings and dyes and toxins and so on and so forth. Like, yeah, I'll eat it if it fits my macros and it's a really good quality, healthy food. How about that? Uh, but calories still count. Uh, you got to have enough of them if you want to gain size, gain strength. But also, at the same time, if you're looking like you getting a little soft around the edges and need to cut a weight class or two, you got to be careful on your calories. But now it's coming down to how many calories you're eating, but what is that breakdown as well of those calories? So making sure that you know what breakdown and what really is just going to work best for you. Now, I've been talking a lot about um, food here, and I want to talk about the timing of food because especially in the lifting community, nutrient timing uh, when it comes to the perfect pre-workout and the intro workout or the peri-workout and the post-workout, like post-workout, I like the window of gains personally. That's that's the best word for it. But yeah, let's dive into each one a little bit. Uh, so your classic pre-workout stack, right? Some protein, some branch chains, some caffeine, creatine, B vitamins, like Oh yeah, and all the colors and additives and fillers and this and that. No, you don't need it. Like pre-workout comes down to what did you eat the day before? What did you eat the meal or two before? Uh, how did you sleep? Like that's your pre-workout. Like this should still go back to you're still going to be eating a normal ratio of food, but just how long can you do it before? Some people can do it 45 minutes before and be fine. Some people have to do it three hours before. Like it depends on your gastric emptying time. Uh, maybe it is better to keep it like a lighter meal for some people, maybe a little more liquid. Like I'm not opposed to using certain supplements, certain pre-workouts, but take note what's in them. Like what is it made of? Uh, and then, Hey, are you hydrated? Like this is an ultimate pre-workout. Drink some water, right? Um, peri-workout. So intro workout, this can be, I, I think it can be beneficial but I'm not overly concerned about it because if you had the proper amount of fuel and the right mixture before a workout, that should still be carrying through during your workout, the 45 minutes and maybe an hour that you're working out and then you're going to get some stuff right after. So you should be fine. Um, because really your testosterone droppers, testosterone, uh, is dropping after about 45 minutes anyway. And this is why like workouts are meant to be short and intense. Uh, and that's why I really don't like even more than an hour, uh, so to really be able to get ultimately like just that crazy strong as well as really maintain the health, um, you don't really have to worry about workouts too much longer in my opinion. Um, but if you have the money, like you can get some of the stuff to put into here. If not, I, and if you're having a shake, like after a workout, 
you might just want to sip this a little bit during your workout and it'll probably work out pretty well. Now, like I said, post-workout or the window of gains is where we're going to go into next here. Uh, and my favorite quote from Paul Check on this is, you should start your meal before the sweat dries from your brow. Uh, it's some, something along those lines. And meaning like, okay, when you're done, eat. That's it. Uh, ideally, the sooner the better. Um, I would argue that don't want to wait more than even like a half hour, hour. Like that could be too long. Uh, but it doesn't have to be liquid meal. Like a lot of times if I go to a gym, uh, I'll take a liquid with me because it's just easier to start drinking a little bit and then have a full meal when I get home. But this is where, hey, personally, I like carbs. Like after a workout, like, yeah, getting some protein in there. But this is when I can really tolerate carbs well. Uh, and I don't get the crash. I don't get dizzy from it. Like, no, I feel really good uh, consuming carbs at this point. And my body, like, you can just feel like really just tightens up, feels, feels great from it. Uh, but this doesn't have to be all that like crazy of an idea. It's like, Hey, put some protein, get some carbs, depending on if you can tolerate it or not, have some fat in there. Just like we talked about before, you're going to have to play with the perfect ratios for you. Once you have this going, eat it, drink it, whatever it is. Hey, you're pretty good. It's just like any other meal. Uh, just got to balance it right. Uh, nutrient timing though is also important throughout the day. Uh, breakfast, like, Hey, Get yourself primed for the day. Get a bunch of nutrients in the body to allow it to just start off the start off the day on the right foot, if you will. And again, it looks still just like another balanced meal. Uh, now, throughout the day, this doesn't mean that you have to eat every two hours now either. I'd say three to five hours uh, is pretty good, especially like for people to optimize recovery, strength gains, that type of thing. Uh, and for anybody who needs to eat enough uh, to keep on proper amount of size, like this is still going to be important, but that three to five hours, like if you're eating a properly balanced meal, your blood sugar should be stable from it and really shouldn't be any problem, uh, when consuming that. So I sometimes like to go longer. Like it, it depends on the person. Like I'm never going to tell somebody they have to keep eating, keep eating. But I'm also not going to say like, oh, you have, you shouldn't eat more than every three hours. Like, no, if you're hungry and you want to eat, go ahead. Uh, I, I think this is a very variable thing. And I'm not convinced that there's a whole lot of benefit one way or another. Like, I think if you just eat three meals in a day, you can do pretty darn well on that uh, and be healthy and be strong on it and not have it be that big of a problem because you just eat more at each meal. Uh, if you only eat two meals, like morning, like and night, you just eat two bigger meals. Uh, if you have the ability to eat throughout the day, well, I think it's probably a good idea to eat a little bit throughout the day then too. Then you balance it, right? And you're going to be just fine. Uh, nighttime eating is an interesting thing to me though too. Now we're, we've gone through the day. I see everybody like that you should eat immediately before you go to bed to like you should stop eating like before 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. or four hours before you go to bed or whatever it is. I still think this is a very person-dependent thing. Uh, I think, first of all, you have to maintain a stable blood sugar overnight, again, because otherwise you're not going to get restful sleep, so you're not going to recover, you're not going to get stronger, but it's also not going to be healthy to not be sleeping either. So you have to maintain that where you can eat foods uh, towards the end of the day that will help keep you satisfied, keep you satiated, but keep you in the proper state throughout the night. So that's number one. 
Um, but going from there, it's like somewhere in between, like eat large, eat small, eat this, eat that, like find what works for you, have a good dinner. And if that's all you need, cool. If you go to bed at 10 and you eat until nine and you still are like rooching and fidgeting around, like you can't get the groove to go to bed, we'll back it up to eight o'clock, back it up to seven o'clock. Hey, if that if all of a sudden you start eating dinner every night at seven o'clock and you are sleeping through the night like a baby and you're just feeling more rested and you're getting stronger, well, you found that right ratio for you uh, of when you need to stop. But there are lots of different ways you can see this. Like, hey, are your strength numbers going up? Uh, you can track your sleep like through an app. Uh, you can just see how you feel when you wake up. But are you waking up and you can't fall back to sleep? Like there's so many different things here. But suffice it to say is like, all right, eat somewhere before you go to bed. Um, between when you get up and when you go to bed, make sure you can sleep through the night. And that's going to be um, about it. Like there are lots of things that you can eat before you go to bed. Um, but it should still be in those same ratios. There's still a million and one different things they say you can eat before you go to bed. And I think those can be important, but don't overlook the the simple stuff of, hey, just eat before you go to bed. Make sure it's some quality stuff and you'll be pretty good. Now, uh, let's get into cooking too. Uh, raw foods, yeah, definitely eat some of them, especially like good raw fruits. Uh, veggies, have some raw veggies, but... Be careful because some veggies, like I can't do like anything, the cruciferous ones, like the broccolis, the cabbages, kale, anything like that. Like I feel terrible uh, if I eat them raw. Um, but there's also the goitrogenic compounds. Like they're going to have just anti-nutrients that if you're not cooking them, uh, they can cause some problems. But some people do great with them. So eat them then too. Um, but now like other things like root veggies, I'm going to be making sure cooking those a bit uh to be able to break everything down um meats and seafood like i actually really love raw meat and raw seafood uh it can be difficult to digest uh depending on your strength of digestion and depending on the type of food like certain foods you just probably want to avoid i mean people freak out about chicken uh i've heard stories like people eat not necessarily raw chicken but undercooked poultry in other parts of the world i don't know how true this is i just don't think it sounds good at all. But I mean, give me some raw seafood. Give me some raw meat. I think it's pretty darn delicious. Uh, fat, depending like raw or cooked. Um, any fat that is being cooked with or heated needs to be highly saturated. Uh, that's really where I would say to that. Otherwise, it's going to oxidize like crazy. So really recommendation to that would be, hey, making sure you're using butter, you're using your coconut oil. Uh, if you're using lower level heat, you can use like your olive oil. Um, lard is going to be good for hot, for for heat. Uh, tallow is going to be good. So something like an avocado oil, uh, I think you want to watch out for. Um, or just eat some whole avocados. Uh, eat some whole uh, olives. Like these are going to be great ways to get fats. Uh, the nut ones, I, I think nuts can oxidize uh, a bit. So again go pretty low on the heat if you're going to use them for that. Uh, and if not, just use them as dressings instead. But again, cooked foods now, like I don't think, I think cooking at too high of a temperature is a big thing. Uh, that's why I actually like boiling and steaming because really 
He stays around that 212 Fahrenheit. Um, but I don't like using um, the grill or the oven much above like 300. Like I'll do it like three, maybe 325. I try and stay away from like the 350, the four, the 450. Uh, I think it just causes a lot of damage to the food. Don't get me wrong, it can still taste delicious, but I think you're destroying a lot of the nutrients. Uh, cooking food though is huge. I mean, if you want to be able to kill bacteria that could be present, yeah, it could certainly do that. Uh, but it'll just break down uh, certain foods uh, better. So it will be easier to digest. Fibers will be broken down. But at the same time, like I said, you can destroy some of the nutrients. So depending on the fruit, hey, you just got to be careful there. Uh, how much you cook, how little you cook, uh, find what works for you. Uh, one thing with cooking and actually with fats going back to it is like industrial seed oils. Go back to, we talked about the omega-6s. You're getting tons of omega-6s. You're getting highly oxidized fats here. Just avoid them. Just If you don't know what they are, look up industrial seed oils and just say no. Uh, now, since we're cooking here, let's talk about cookware. Uh, stainless steel and ceramic, I think, are probably your best places, uh, as well as glass would be stoneware, uh, enameled cast iron. Uh, cast iron can be good, but you have to beware. Uh, I mean, but there's just something about, like, strength in a cast iron skillet, right? Like, it just oozes that machismo, if you will. Uh, but I think anything, any of those are just all very good options. Um, but then there's some certain ones like aluminum cookware, nonstick cookware, like just stay away from them. There's so many chemicals that are leaching into your food uh, that if you want to get Alzheimer's, like there's there's your aluminum, uh, the, the huge correlations there. But the Teflon flu, <laughs> all these things are crazy, crazy amounts of chemicals that are just straight up leaching into your food that you're going to want to avoid. It's not going to help your strength. It's not going to help your health. Like it's just going to plummet you. So just stick with stick with the other ones, and you'll be pretty good. Um, and as far as storage goes, there's not much difference there. Stored in glass, stored in stainless steel. That's it. Like just avoid plastics because you really do not need more estrogen uh, introduced into the body. Now, I'm not going to go into it in too much depth here because this can really probably be in a whole nother podcast in and of itself quality of food matters uh wild game is still always going to be number one then you look at like as far as meats go like your grass-fed your pasture-raised your free-range your wild-caught like organic no antibiotics no hormones like biodynamic like these are all awesome uh beware anytime somebody says natural because nobody really knows (laughs) what it means but Really, just get get the best food you can afford. Get to know your farmer. Get go to your farmer's market. Uh, if you don't have really great access to any of these, the stores like most grocery stores are carrying a lot of stuff now. So, just seek out the most bang for your buck. Like, what are the most nutrient dense foods that you can get? Because the more nutrient density, like I said before, like calories still count. So, if you're the one with all the other things being equal, like training programs. Uh, like size of the person, the competitor, the strength athlete, whatever it is, and one person is just eating garbage foods, but they're still eating the same amount, same calories, same all this and that, compared to somebody who's eating all the pasture-raised foods, all the organic foods, like ones that are cooked really well. 
They're just going to recover so much better. They're going to get that much stronger, that much faster, as well as have longevity, both healthy lives, but life and length of the sport. Like they're going to be able to compete for a much longer period of time. So really just go with the simple things, just eat real foods and you're going to be most of the way on your way. Uh, And I want to finish with just um, eating big because strength athletes tend to be pretty good eaters for the most part. So buy stuff in bulk, get to know your farmers, join a buying club, like any and all of these, like get an extra freezer, put a half a cow, put a whole cow in the freezer, like from a grass fed animal, like you can get these for pretty darn cheap, uh, both the animals and the freezers anymore. I've had in the last probably two, three years, I've had people just offer freezers to me like this happens. So you can go on Craigslist, you can find uh, them if you're not going out and getting a new one, but it's pretty simple. Fill it up, keep it in the freezer so there's never a hesitation. Like you always have that food on hand for yourself, for your family, so that you guys really can eat uh, top quality food, uh, especially if you're going to be eating a lot more of it. Well, now bring that strength and health into play. You might get strong on some of the other foods, but you're not going to be healthy. Uh, so you want to get the best of both worlds. Like eat, make sure you're eating the best food that you absolutely can. Uh, And that's about it. Like, this is simple stuff. Like, you have everything here. This is a very simple outline, like bringing it all together. How to eat, what to eat, what to drink, um, the ratios, how to cook it. Like, it's simple. Keep it simple to start. Make one or two changes. Like, if you heard something in here that really resonated, make the change. Uh, And I just encourage everybody out there, Get strong and healthy. Strength is really, whether you're going to compete or not, can really go a long ways in keeping you healthy actually for a lifetime, being able to um, go through all the different movements, all lift all the things that you need to around the house, uh, and really just help keep you independent. Plus, in my opinion, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and I think that blending it with that health so that I know I can stay in the strongman game for a while uh, is 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 very refreshing. And I encourage you too. I think you're going to see, uh, and I encourage you to be one of them. Like there are a lot more masters classes, masters events opening up. So stay with the sport for a long time. So it's time to go out there, get strong and healthy. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to head over to barenakedhealthpodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free. So thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. So thank you. Mm